0: Kyoto, welcome. Kyoto, my name is Dre, as um, Steph mentioned. Thank you so much, Steph. Hey, who loved worship this morning? How, that's that last song, man. I think. Let's should we should we do it again at the end? Yeah, let, let's just do it again at the end. I, I've decided. We've decided that that's what we're going to do. Um, so heads up, Willie, wherever you are. <laughs> hey. um... Well, welcome. My name is Dre. Uh, my wife Hannah and I, we lead Cornerstone Church here at Rolleston. Hi, uh, those at home or wherever you are on uh, the interwebs. Lovely to see you, and um, you're welcome here. Um, and any guests, we just want to say kia ora and welcome. Hey, uh, we today are doing Philippians 3 and 4. Now, before we kick anything off, could I do a six-week series on Philippians 4? Absolutely. Am I having to do Philippians 4 in about 12 minutes? Yes, I am. So I am not going to do Philippians 4 and Philippians 3, for that matter, much justice. That was hard to say, much justice. So what I'm going to do on Tuesday morning, um, if you are a member of our Cornerstone uh, members Facebook page, I'm going to do a bit of a walk through chapter four in uh, a bit more length because I was reading it again this morning. I was like, you know what? I'm disappointed in myself. I just can't get it all in. So if you would like to, 6.30 a.m. Um, I should be back from my run by then um, <clears throat> after I've gone to the pool, of course, and done my push-ups. Um, so 630. Yeah, right. I'll turn up and I'll be like, hi. Um, so just, just tune in if you, if that interests you and we can read through chapter four with a bit more detail and a few other bits and pieces. Hey, um, so what we're going to do this morning, we are going to go through Philippians three and four. You should have a uh, study book somewhere around. If you don't have a study book, throw your hand up in the air. Okay, and if there are any extra study books, can you pass them down to that person cuz I think we are all tapped out. Hey, what we're going to do is um we have always have a quiz when we do these exegetical walkthroughs, when we do these more study-type sermons, and uh, Warren last week did uh, Philippians chapter two, and so what we're going to do is we've got a couple of questions, uh, well five questions from chapter two that Warren has given us. So you should, on the front of your book there, you should have um, one to five. Now, do you guys need pens? Anyone need a pen? Oh, you guys are good. Okay, I've got a few pens. There should be a box of pens somewhere. Is that them? Cool. Sweet. Someone could hand those out. Thanks, Joni. Cheers. All right. Question. I better not start yet. Some of you frantically go. (gasps) All right. We'll give you guys a little bit of time, but here we go. Question number one. This is from uh, Warren from last week. Each of you, so you need to fill in the gaps. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the blank of blank. And now this is obviously from Philippians 2. So can you fill it in? Even if you weren't here last week, you might be able to get it. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the blank of blank. Okay. So you need two words there to get that one right. Are we good? Okay. Question number two. Which column of Cornerstone does this encourage? Ah, oh, yes. Sorry. Okay. So, firstly, I want a little bit of context. Um, if you're a guest here this morning, um, we uh, unveiled our uh, our mission statement, our passion statement about six weeks ago, uh, and we have these five Cornerstone columns that hold up this framework of Cornerstone Church and building people, building communities. And so, we've been interweaving some of those five core principles into this series. Wherever we see them, we mention them. So if you go back to question one, and we're talking about each of you should look not only to the, your own interests, but also to the, if you got that right, then the, the question for number two, you should be fairly easy to uh, answer that. So we have five columns. The first one is presence. The second one is, is authenticity? No, community, thank you. I knew it wasn't right. Um, presence, community, authenticity, relationship, and growing. So which one of those five, there might be a couple actually, do you think that falls into? Which column of Cornerstone does this encourage? This idea of here, each of you should look into your, not only your own interest, but also to the interest, look into the own insects of others. Oh, oh! Anyway, let's just move on. I'm pretending you didn't hear that. Next, question number three. Whoa, it's getting warm in here. Uh, complete this memory verse. The attitude you should have is the one that blank, blank had. Oh, shouldn't be too difficult. The adi- Complete this memory verse. The attitude that uh, you you should have is the one that blank, blank had. Okay, we're going to go on to question number four. Verse 15. Hello, there's, verse, uh, there's question number three. Blank, blank had. Question number 4 verse 15 tells us to be innocent in a corrupt world and to blank like blank. That might be a bit harder. To something like something. Mm. Anyone confident they've got it? Ah, good work. Okay. To be innocent in a corrupt world and to be and to blank like blank. Question number five, Paul's love and concern for Timothy and Ephroditus displayed which cornerstone column? So remember, uh, presence, community, uh, authenticity, relationship, and growing. Which one of those do you think? Again, there might even be a couple. All right. Should we get to the answers really quickly before we move on? Answers. Okay, question number one, each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Give yourself a tick if you've got that one right. Question number two, which column of Cornerstone does this encourage? Community, but I would also take relationship as well. Question number three, complete the memory verse. The attitude you should have is the one that Jesus Christ Christ Jesus had. Question number four, verse 15 tells us to be innocent in a corrupt world and to, ah, look at that, well done, shine like stars. What did you not even close? <laughs> and to sit like sun, no. <laughs> Question number five, Paul's love and concern for Timothy and Ephroditus displayed which cornerstone column? I would say relationship is a good one, or community as well. Cool, okay, Um, what I'm going to get Kath to do is at the end of this, she will give you a chocolate that she'll find in the kitchen, that was also me telling you and telling her. (laughs) Um, So, put your hands up if you got three out of five correct in that quiz. Oh, there's a few, there's a few, okay, four out of five, woo, look at you go, you're all like, yeah, I got it, I got four out of five, did you get four out of five? Okay. First person, this is usually how it it operates. And you're going to have to wave your hand in the air because you know I've got like eye issues. So did anyone get five out of five? Joni. Everyone give Joni a big round of applause. I saw some other hands there. Go see Kath afterwards for a chocolate, which I'm sure you probably won't eat. <laughs> You're very good. Hey, um, Philippians 3 and 4 is packed with some famous scriptures. Now, when we do this exegetical walkthrough, one of the reasons we want to do this, one of the, uh, Joni. Oh, and Hannah got six, which she's going to share with her husband. <clears throat> no, she, I lied. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Um. One of the reasons we do this is we want people to understand um, biblical context of scriptures, right? We don't want you to just hear a scripture and just go, cool, that's what it is. There is a whole reason that scripture was written. There's a whole context it was written into, right? So what I'm going to get you guys to do, we're going to do something a little bit different this morning. Um, I am going to invite, now I'm sorry I haven't given you warning, but I'm sorry, not sorry. Can I please, I've got these. I'm going to explain what it is. I had my friends come over last night, and this is a little Philippians flag. Okay, it's got Philippians on it. Now, I'm going to get you to do something with this in a minute. I had our friends come over for um, Indian last night, and I was like, oh, so nice to see you guys. Really good. <laughs> Make some flags. <laughs> and they did. Okay, can I please have, um, if you don't know, our CLDP, our CLDP is our Cornerstone, Cornerstone Leadership Development Programme. We do it every year uh, for some young people. Um, to really just get some um, very what like uh, direct and sort of intimate discipleship teaching. Um, and so we have a class this year of, I think it's 13. So if you are in CLDP, I need your help this morning to hand out some flags. And I know that most of you are here, so you can't not come up. you are just going to do flags. I'm not going to get you to dance or anything. Don't worry, Conrad. Okay, can I have CLDP come up and give them a big round of applause if you've not seen their beautiful faces before? Okay, there's not many of them here this morning. So, what I'd like you to do is take a handful of flags and pass them out to people. There we go. Yep, all the people. Everyone that wants a flag, just start handing them out. There you go. Great. And if you could take that massive bunch. (laughs) Thanks, Jason. You can take the box now. Look at that. Okay, so once you've got a flag, what I want you to do is start waving your flag in the air for me so I can see it. Thank you. I see that flag. Hey, you can go home today and you can say, you know what we did? We, got, we brought flags back into church. We were all waving flags. Um, and maybe in the worship song, you could wave them around. And then, uh, yeah. I thought the era of waving flags was gone, but no, we're going to do it. So, what I want you to do is this this is your instruction with your flags. Philippians 3 and 4 has jam packed full of famous, well known scriptures. Now, what I want you to do is part of this, this thing is I want you to realize that a scripture is not just by itself. It's a part of something. Now, normally, I would estimate, I mean, I'm not a biblical theologian, but I would estimate there might be half a dozen good scriptures that are well-known, well, they're all good scriptures, but a half a dozen well-known scriptures that you might not remember exactly it, but you might go, yeah, I've heard that before. So I want you to, you, you, there might be half a dozen in a book. But in Philippians 3 and 4, there's got to be 25 just in these two chapters alone. So this is what I want you to do. I haven't got a flag anymore, but if you had a flag and you hear a scripture that you have heard in the past, oh, thank you. I see that flag. Uh, When you're sitting there like this and you hear a scripture um, that you know, it won't be distracting, but all I want you to do is this. And what I want you to do is I just want you to remember that every time you do that, that this is a, a a big narrative. This is a part of something bigger. And then what I want you to do at the end of today, I want you to write your favorite Philippians verse on the back of your little flag. Maybe you could use it as a um, straw. <laughs> or you could uh, put it in your Bible as a... Um, bookmark. I was like, what are they? Oh man, it's been a long time um, since I've used a bookmark. Um, So you could use a bookmark or put it on your fridge or anything like that. So for example, if I said, now I'm just making this up for my point, but if I said Deuteronomy 45.12 and uh, Herazimat went to the temple, you might go, (laughs) someone's like, I know that one. (laughs) That's not working for my analogy right now. (laughs) And but if I said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Come on, wave those flags. And you're like, I know that one. I know that one. Okay. That's what we're doing today. Okay. We're going to wave these flags. Right. Here we go. Did you get your flag? Do you want your flag back? Has he got one? Okay. Let's kick things off. So there's your flags. Can we have a practice? Wave your flags in the air. Woo! And just do it at any point. I'm just going to keep on talking, but I want, and if you don't know your word that well, maybe you're new to church, maybe this is your first time in church, I don't want it to feel like everybody else knows something you don't. All this is, is to, to, to show you and encourage you that there are some great verses out there. And some of them are so well known and so famous that they almost get used out of context quite often. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. All right, chapter three. Can we kick things off? If you've got your Bible, um, open it up. In, uh, if you've got NIV, if you've got it on your phone, um, feel free. So this particular first pit, part, I'm going to kind of go over quite quickly because we've got a lot to get through this morning. But what I do want to get on, so he starts in verse three. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Um, da-da-da-da, I write things to you. Now, verse two is interesting. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh, for it is we who are circumcision and who serve God by his spirit. What is Paul talking about here? He's talking about a sect of people called the Judaizers. Um, and theologians believe what happened is this group would follow Paul around months or a couple of years after he'd been to a place and started up a new church. And they would say, hey, hey, it's awesome that you guys are, have become um, Christians, and you're following Jesus, that's great, uh, but we must tell you that you need to get circumcised. Now, broader than just circumcision itself, they were actually talking about the law, and their argument was, hey, if you are going to serve, if you are going to worship a Jewish Messiah, then you need to be Jewish. Now, that's actually not true, and if you, I think it's Acts chapter, is it? might be Acts chapter 2. One of the, um, in, in Acts, they have a council where they talk about this whole big issue. Yeah, good waving of the hand. Thank you, Heinrich. He's like, I've heard of Acts. I've heard of that. Acts 15, is it? Thank you. Um, and so hey, when he's saying this about this, um, these mutilators of flesh, and he's calling them, what did he call them? Dogs, which is quite uh, intense. Uh, you evildoers who, um, who mutilate the flesh. He's talking to them. He says, there is grace we don't go through law. We don't have to go do all of this stuff. And it's a bit of a preamble to what we see in Acts. So that's who he is talking about, this group called the Judaizers or something like that. Now, here we go. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. It's kind of like a mic drop moment for paul he says circumcised on the eighth day of the people of israel of the tribe of benjamin a hebrew of hebrews in regard to the law a pharisees the top of the top as for zeal persecuting the church and as for righteousness based on the law i am faultless paul is saying if you want to go by the law if you want to do everything and, and that's how you win into the kingdom of God, just by being a part of something, not necessarily believing something, then I'm the guy. You're not better than me at it.'m the right I'm the, I've got the highest credentials. He so said, "I'm that guy. Now, if it just left there, that would be a problem. But it goes on. Now, um, there's a study book question here, and uh, we're going to go over those. What do you think is the root cause in relying on earthly and material things to sustain us or give us value? Why don't you have a think about that? You have 20 seconds just to have a little bit of a think. You'll see that on page one, I think. When he's talking about earthly things, when he says, you've got all these earthly things, he's going to go into it a little bit more, but what is the root issue, do you think? Why do you think we rely on the law? Why do you think we rely on earthly things or material things? You might have a few answers, and that's totally fine. You've got about 10 seconds. For me, there's a few different answers, but my answer would be this. I think it's an issue of control. I think that... When you rely and put all your time, effort, focus, and energy into material and earthly things, what you're trying to do is have control of that. Whereas, you know, Jesus is our Savior and our Lord. He is the Lord over our lives. And we need to submit our lives to Jesus. So I think there is a control issue here. Um, and I wrote, a sheep that spends time with its shepherd follows its shepherd, not just the green grass. And what I mean by that, a a sheep over many years trusts that the shepherd knows best. And even if there's beautiful grass over there, if the shepherd's going, hey, no, 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 I know there's a pack of wolves over there. Hey, no, 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 I know that there's a ravine that we have to go around. Hey, no, 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 first we need water. When you build that trust with Jesus, you don't rely necessarily on our own understanding. You don't rely on what makes sense. We rely on Jesus. And that's the opposite of having our own control of our worlds. Let's carry on. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. So uh, Paul's making that statement. Does anyone know what comes next? Just the next word? It's, but! But! But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage and I, that I may gain Christ. You know, in the Greek, <clears throat> that word's not garbage. It's something else. <clears throat> True fact. <laughs> um, and he's saying that we must, we must have relationships. Over religion. We must have relationship over law. We must always be aiming to connect with Jesus, not just go through a system, not just go through what everybody else has gone. He's again reaffirming, which he's reaffirmed a lot in Philippians, that we are to have a relationship over religion. Verse nine. And be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, which is Old Testament, we see that. Uh, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God. On the basis of faith. I think in your books, you've got to circle one of the things that you think Paul said it was. So Paul very clearly is illustrating something here. He says, to get to righteousness in the past, what did you do? You went through the law. You went through um, the Mosaic Covenant. You went through what God gave Moses, and you went through that, and then you were a part of the club. You were a Jew. And then you found righteousness that way. And what he's saying is that's not the way we do it. That's not the way we do it anymore. What the way we do now is through faith in Christ. Okay, little theology lesson 101. Verse 10. I want to know Christ. I said this last week. Yes, to know the power of resurrection and participation in the sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Am I seeing any flags? Thank you. See that flag? Well done. Um, It's like an auction going on. Except I'd be a really terrible person. I'd be like, did you? A million dollars to that man. And he was just scratching his nose. Verse 12. Not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. So the question there, study book, what does to press on and to take hold mean for you right now? You've got 20 seconds. You're all in a situation. You're all in something that you need to hold on to a truth. You need to press on to a dream that God has given you. You've got 20 seconds. This can be personal, of course. Just don't leave it on the seat afterwards. Awkward. For those watching at home, what I'll do is we'll make sure that you get a digital copy. Um, We can post it in the comments below. All right, 10 seconds. Okay, Paul was making a very, very clear statement here. He was saying that I haven't reached it. He started by saying, you know what? If you want to play the game of who's better than who, I win, according to the law but I I haven't because I'm still working on it. Um, Does does this idea of a journey, this idea of going towards something and changing, seeing issues, working on them on our lives, does that sound like any of the pillars, any of the cornerstone columns? Maybe the last one, growth. We should always be growing. Paul is saying, we're not transformed. We are transforming by the power of Christ. It is a journey, it's a process. And anyone that says that I've reached it is lying or is unaware that that's not an actual truth. So what if you are in the middle of something? What if you're struggling right now and you've got something in your life that you've got, I've identified that this is something I need to let go of and I need to hold on to a different truth. I need to press on in this relationship with Jesus, but I've got to struggle. Well, then I think I try to think of four things that I think help us in this situation. First, we need to identify that there is a problem. We need to strategize with the Holy Spirit, with God. Ask God, you know, what, what can I do? Maybe I've got a problem drinking. Maybe I have a few too many wines. Maybe I do have an anger problem. Maybe I'm not reading my word enough. You know, all sorts of manner of different things. Maybe I'm not treating my husband or my wife as well as I would like. I do identify that there's a problem. Get the Holy Spirit in. Strategize with the Holy Spirit. Write some stuff down. Have a plan. Take other people on the journey with you. Take action. That's a big one. A lot of people are like, I've got a plan. I'm like, cool, what are you doing about it? I've got a plan. <laughs> Take action. And then the last one is persevere. Keep at it. Keep going. Keep going. All right, 13. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, like we said, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize of God, uh, which God has called me and have... Uh, Heavenward in Christ Jesus. Thank you. I was hoping that I might see some flag waving. Well done, brothers and sisters. I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. So, another question here: What is one way Paul gives us to achieve verse thirteen, which is about moving forward? What do it's in your things there? We've just read it in verse thirteen. It is: we must forget what is behind. So the next question is: Why do you think it's important to put the past? What yeah, so why do you think this is an important part in moving forward? Why do you think when Paul says forgetting what is behind you, why do you think that's an important part of moving forward? Great. Hey, you've got ten seconds. Lean over to the person next to you if you know them. If don't, if you don't, just go. Hi, my name's Horatio. Introduce yourself and share that just quickly. Why do you think it is important to forget the things from behind us as we want to move forward? Go. You've got 15 seconds. Say hello to the person next to you. Why do you think it's important? All right. Five seconds. Four, three, two, one. Okay, great. You're driving. You have a big what in front of you so you can see the road a big window. Now, here's the thing. Looking to the past is not necessarily a bad thing every now and then. Because what we can do is we can learn from the past, correct? We can make mistakes and we can learn from them. And that's why you've got your big thing going forward and what is above the big thing that's a bit smaller but similar. It's your rear vision mirror. And I've always said that your rear vision mirror is good you know, sometimes you need to look up and see if there's anything from the past that's gonna bite you or smack into you, like a Honda City going way too fast. Um, but you look into you look into the past every now and then to make sure you're safe, to th- make sure you are heading in the direction that you thought. But what happens if you drive just looking in the rear vision mirror? Sorry, Andrew, I'd had to do it. <laughs> yeah, you, you'll crash. Don't spend all your time looking behind. Glance at it from time to time. It's there as a tool, but it's not there to shape your future. All right, verse uh, 15. All of us then who can mature should take such a view of this. Uh, And if at some point you think differently that to God, which made clear, uh, only let us live up to what we already uh, Attained. Verse 17, Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have, as, uh, have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before and now, tell you again with tears, m- uh, many lives as en- many live as enemies for the cross of Christ. Question, what is important about verse 17 there? Join together and following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Won't you write the answer in? Why do you think it's important to have role models? Why do you think it's important to get around people who have done it and been there? Because here's the thing I think you learn from your mistakes, a knowledgeable person learns from their mistakes. A wise person learns from their mistakes and the mistakes of others. It's important to have a role model. It's important to get around other people. Get into a connect group. Get into a group of people. All right. Verse 19. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory and their shame. Their mindset is on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. That's an interesting word. In the Greek, this idea, uh, in that when this was written, this idea of citizenship in the Greek literally meant, because remember, this is a Roman colony uh, in Philippi. Basically, what citizenship meant is they would take Rome and try and place little Romes everywhere around the world. They wanted it to look like Rome, smell like Rome, act like Rome. They wanted it. They wanted if Caesar came to that place, he would feel like he was in Rome. And so this idea of a citizenship was being a citizen of Rome. So when Paul is using this language, he's kind of tying in with the uh, the kingdom of heaven, saying that we should bring and make little spots around us just like heaven bringing a slice of heaven, just like what he was referring to with the Romans. You know, taste like heaven, look like heaven, speak like heaven. Bring the the, the kingdom of God into those places. Chapter 4, and we're going to move through this quickly because we are quickly running out of time, and we will do it on, uh, what did I say, Tuesday at 8.30. 9, 9.30? <laughs> 6.30, we'll see you there, 6.30. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you who I love and I long for, my joy and my crown stand firm in the Lord and this always, dear friends. I plead with uh, Yoida, and I, I'm going to look up there because it's Eida, uh, easier. And I plead with, uh, yeah, that one. This is a problem when you read it and then you don't say it out loud. That's my problem. Uh, to, be one of, uh, to be of the same mind in the Lord. Why is it important? For them to be in the same, what has that got to do with their arguments? We don't even know what the argument's about. But we know that being in the same mind, there's something there. I think it's when you're in the same mind, the same spirit that dwells in you dwells in me. And we always want a unity and we want peace. Can we be different? Can we have diverse views? Absolutely. But diversity within the unity of Christ is what makes us strong. I plead, yep, we go, uh, help these women since they have contended at my side. They've been with him, with the gospel, along with Clement, uh, Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Now we're going to start getting into some famous, really one-on pieces of scriptures. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Good work. I think there's a song. Uh, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition and thanksgiving. I see those hands. That's great. uh, Present your request to God and to the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. Keep waving. um, And will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, uh, whatever is true, whatever is good work. You can have your arms up for a while. He's got two now. Uh, Whatever is noble, whatever is right. Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Verse 9, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Good work. Verse 10, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that, I, that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Um, yeah, we'll get back to that. Uh, verse eleven. I am not saying this because I'm in need. For I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. Great. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether we fit whether well fed or hungry, whether li- living uh, in plenty or in want. That's a great verse. We need to remember the context. Is Paul sitting on a beach writing this? Now he's in prison. Does he know he's going to survive this? No, he doesn't. Read that again. (laughs) I know the secret of being content. Doesn't matter whether it's this or it's that. I know what it is. I've got a question for you really quickly. There is a tip about loving people in verse 10. Can you find it? I'll read it out for you. Wave your your flags when you think you've there's a there's a one word about loving people. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Love is an action. I've often said, love doesn't presume. Love shows. You know, don't just presume that you love people. We um we had a situation last year where um, someone in our family had gone through a really rubbish time, and we had been there for them. We'd been praying for them. We'd been with them through the thick and thin, right? And then eventually, we were like, you know what? We should do. We should get them a gift. They don't need this gift. It was quite a substantial one. But what we're going to do is, we, as a family, we're going to put the hat around and we're going to give to them, and it brought significant change to that situation, just because sometimes every time they saw this gift, they're like, that's right, I'm loved. I can see it, I can touch it, I can feel it. Love doesn't presume, love shows. All right, I can do all things. Come on, there you go. I can do all things through Him who gives me strength yet it was good to you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with me in the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. What is the context of this super famous verse, verse 13? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, here's the thing. You can be forgiven, for quoting this scripture, when someone's like, "Hey, can you open this jam jar?" and you're like, "I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me," and opens it. That's not me. That's my wife. She's really good at opening cans. <clears throat> well, for starters, not cans, jars. Because if she could open cans with her hands, that's awesome. What a gift. She's super mum. <laughs> um, and I remember there was—I think there was a pro footballer. Am I right? That used to have Philippians four thirteen like written on his stuff, and. It kind of like, what people sometimes use this scripture for was like, I can do anything in Christ who strengthens me that I want to do. He will give me strength because I'm a Christian and I can do anything I want. Not probably what Paul's actually saying. Because the context of that is content. Remember when you read that, verse 12, where is it? I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content, being happy, having a f- pure joy with Jesus um, in any and every situation, whether we're fed or hungry, whether living or plenty, and in want, and then it kicks into this thing. I know this. I can do all things, no matter where he puts me, as long as I'm content with who he is. He will feed me, clothe me, or not, and I will be okay. That's the context of that verse. Not I can do anything and Christ will give me strength to do it. Rather that in any situation, if I'm connected with the one true living God, I can I can get through. Content. Verse 16, we're almost there. For even when I was in Thessalonica Ah we'll just move on. Um you sent me more aid, and once I was in need, not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that you would be, uh, be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I'm amply supplied now that I've received from Ephroditus the gift you have sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice to God. That's beautiful. I love that. Uh, and my God will meet you in your needs according to the riches. Thank you. <laughs> you guys are getting good at this. To the riches and the glory in Christ Jesus. To our God, our Father, in glory forever and ever. Amen. Verse 21, greet all God's people in Jesus in Christ Jesus, the brothers and sisters who are with me. Send greetings. All God's people will, will hear. Send greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household, which is an interesting one. Verse 14 there, what column can you see in verse, ah, we've got that back the front. That's okay. It's relationship. Hey, while I ask the worship team up, I want to ask you a big question. Just in your own words, what do you think the theme of Philippians is? Now, there's not necessarily any right or wrong answer, but what do you think is the core theme? What do you keep hearing Paul say? That's not on your books, but you can kind of write it down on there if you want. While they're coming up, you've got 20 seconds to turn to the person next to you and ask the question. Go. You've got 20 seconds while they get ready. What do you think is the major theme of Philippians? 10 seconds. You know, 10 seconds to sum up this amazing chapter, this whole book, but you know, whatever. If I had to pick out a verse that I think, Philippians 4, 6, to not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God. Which surpasses all understanding, all circumstances, all things that make sense. His peace will come. It will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. For me, at least. That that sums up Philippians. And if I was to write it in my own words, I'd say, focus on Jesus at all times, in all circumstances, and do so with peace. Right? Do so. Paul's life was falling apart on the outside, at least it looked. But he wasn't worried. You can read Philippians. You know, they say Philippians is the happiest book in the Bible. Yet it was written from a guy who was chained to a wall. It didn't matter. He had a peace that was within. Circumstances happened. Sure, it was rubbish. But his God was bigger. God is bigger than your problems. Hey, could we stand to our feet? I'm going to do something which I don't think I've ever done. Um, and I'm always a bit careful about this sort of thing. But I think, I think this would be an awesome thing. We're going to break into that song, that, that banger. That, that, I love that song. I don't know what, the, what its name is, but it's awesome. I don't know. Is it old or is it new? It's old. Yeah, cool. It's great. I love it. I want us to say out loud a version of this. If you're not comfortable to do so, that's fine. This is it. There's nothing in there that, that freaks you out. It's a declaration I want us to say as a community of people. I'd love to you to join with me once I've read it through once. I focus on you, Jesus, at all times and at all circumstances. Give me peace, Father, so that I can respond in all things with peace. If you're comfortable, yeah, wave that. That's <laughs> good. So what we're going to do is if you're comfortable, I just felt to read that out. Then some of you, and I wanted to do it myself, but I felt the Lord to say, just wait to the song. The song that we're going to do, you know, without coming to Him with a whole bunch of needs, would you come with him? Come to him, just with a focus and a thankfulness of who he is. And if you're if you're able to, would you would you kneel? Now you might have a bun knee. You might not want to. You can just casually sit down on the chair and just just no one will notice. But if you feel you can, and if you can't, and you still want to do it, kneel and then wave your flag in the air, <laughs> and uh, I'll send um, Conrad to come and help you up. So let's, if you're comfortable, let's do that. One, two, out loud, three. I focus on you, Jesus. Why don't you hold out your hands? At all times, in all circumstances, give me peace, Father, so that I can respond in all things with your peace. As we sing the song, would you join with me? Would you... Would you kneel if you're comfortable as a sign of repentance, as a sign of stepping into His grace, as a sign of surrender to Him if you can. And if you want to but you can't, God knows your heart. Awesome. Thank you, Worship Team.